0: been blessed this week to be reading Tim Tennant, uh, his new book, For the Body. I wish I had read it before my sermon about the body of Christ and the body this past Sunday. I might have made a few edits uh, due to that. But I remember Tim Tennant telling an Easter story. Tim, uh, or President Tim Tennant of Asbury Seminary, uh, was a missionary to India. And while they were there, they were doing an outreach to unreached people groups there by showing the Jesus film. And the people were enthralled seeing the life of Jesus through that film. But when Good Friday happened and Jesus died, all the people who were there watching that film got up and began to leave. And Tim begged them, please come back, please come back. But what they said to Tim was, the hero is dead. Did you not even hear him say, it is finished? And to that, Tim continued to say, but the story is not over. The story is not over. The betrayals begin tonight on Holy Thursday. There's the arrest, and then Jesus alone in a prison for several hours, and the trials, and then Good Friday. But Paul wants us to know in 1 Corinthians 15, that is not the end of the story. It is right that we come tonight to remember Holy Thursday, to remember Christ through the sharing of this holy meal. But before we do that, I want us to walk through what, what is the, really the, the goal of Lent and that's to get us to the empty tomb. And that's what we've been doing over these weeks. Last year we asked, why did the cross have to happen? This year we're asking, why the resurrection? And Paul has a good word for us here. Now listen, to partly get this word, we need to go back. We need to know where Paul is coming from. Where, where you come from makes a lot of difference. I was raised in Pennsylvania. My wife was raised in Brazil. Where you come from makes a lot of difference. At one of our former churches, when my daughter was between the age of 5 and 10, so you won't know which church it was, there was a a man being very loud, a man being very obnoxious, a bit crusty, and uh, my daughter asked us, who is that? And we said, well, he's the brother of so-and-so, and and my daughter immediately responded, well, that explains it. So... (laughs) She knew if he came from that family, from that person, that's why he... What's, where are we coming from? What, what does Paul say in chapter 14, especially when he closes it out? When you get to the very end of chapter 14, and now remember, he's been talking about church meetings. He's been talking about, in chapter 14, spiritual gifts of prophecy and tongues he says in, in 1433, "God is not the God excuse me, God is not the God of disorder." Or in the New American standard, He's not the God of confusion. But then he ends this chapter by saying, "Let all things be done decently and in order." And so we're seeing this ordering of the life of the church. We're seeing as we come into the resurrection talk throughout chapter 15, we've just come from a conversation about order. And listen, we get a little bit nervous when we talk about death and resurrection. We might get a little bit anxious when we talk about the second coming or this resurrection event that will be. Paul gives us some wonderful reminders here. And he does that throughout 1 uh, Corinthians. He, he talks about an ordering of spiritual gifts. He talks about the right order for communion. He talks about the right order for human sexuality. He talks about the right order for what church life ought to be, look, be and look like. He's always talking about here's the order that God has given for us. And there's no room then for anxiety or worry because we understand, and we'll close with this, God has ordered all things, including this resurrection, this future resurrection. There's two observations quickly about Jesus we don't want to miss. Because of his resurrection, Paul is reminding the church that death itself has been rejected and it will go away. Death is not to be a natural thing. It seems natural to us because we're bombarded with it. Uh, We look around and there are things that just seem inevitable and have to, paying taxes, my cubs losing. There's just those things that always happen. That was never the plan of God. And you see him going back here and talking about Adam. That was never the plan or the design. But because of his sin, and you can go back to verse 22, for as in Adam all die, or Paul would later say to the Roman church in 323 and 623, because of sin, We've been separated. All have fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. It touches all of us. Maybe you've heard of the honey mushroom that is in Oregon, one of the national forests there. Uh, They estimate that that particular uh, mushroom, and that's what they call it, is about 2,400 years old. And it's covering... A, a landmass basically of about 2,200 acres, and it's killing every tree in sight. It took them a while to understand what it was. They just saw, as one botanist said, "We just searched for years, but now we understand." When you're on the ground, you may not notice the pattern, but when you see the dead trees in clusters, you know what it is. This this mushroom this this actually what they say sucks the life out of the trees. You can't see it, you don't understand it until you get deep down into the roots, but it's taking out everything in 2,200 acres. It's the same way as Paul reminds us here with Adam. When Adam fell into rebellion, that single act of disobedience, the results of that sin, the consequences of that sin have spread to the entire, uh, entirety of the human race, causing separation from God and causing death. And so here we're reminded, verse 26, that Jesus, as to so many other things in 1 Corinthians, Jesus is defeating that last enemy. Death is now rejected. Through his giving of his life, that enemy will die. But it's not only talking about rejection, but in these last verses, 24 through 28, it's just verse after verse of reminding us again that the one who rode in on a beast of burden, the one who came in such humble fashion to Holy Week, the one who was humiliated on the cross and exposed before his mother and everyone there, that one who lowered himself to become as us, all things are to be put and will be put and are now in subjection to him. Verse 24, all rule, all authority, all power. Verse 25, all enemies. And again, verse 26, even death itself. Revelation 21, 4 says, there shall no longer be any death, physical death. And we even kind of hinted at it last week in sermon. All those little deaths, those hurts of separation, of, of the loss of a friendship or broken dreams, having to move away from people you love or a change in work. All of those things will be put under his feet. Verse 27, he just goes ahead and says, it's going to be all things will be subject. But then this verse 28, I encourage you to go back and look at it later. It's a bit confusing as you read it because we know that Jesus Christ is the Alpha and Omega. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But look at verse 28. What an encouragement to us, and what what a word that should draw us into worship. The one who in all things, all in him, all things exist, the one who holds all things together, the the one who is before all things, and he defers. He subjects himself to the Father. It's, It's his kingdom, and he's giving it to his father. Um, I can't remember his name. There was a CEO of a major company that I re- read about recently. And he went into a, he was just going from meeting to meeting to meeting and walked into one of the boardrooms and just walked in and just plopped down at a seat where a CEO would not sit. It was just kind of one of these off to the side seats and one of his subordinates came up to him and said, boss, sir, you need to sit at the head of the table. And he just smiled and looked at that man and said, Son, wherever I sit, that's the head of the table. (laughs) Jesus is the head, he is the firstborn. Under him are all things, Paul says, and yet he subjects himself. And defers. It's a beautiful picture, I think, of the Trinity here. We saw it in Hebrews, when we studied Hebrews, that the Spirit offered Jesus to the Father. Here, Jesus, even glorified, fully God, submits and defers. And in verse 24, gives the kingdom. In verse 28 as well, gives the kingdom to his Father. In Adam, his rebellion, there's no submission. In the second Adam, the last Adam, Jesus Christ, there's perfect submission perfect subjection. and by It's a good word for us. It's a good word for me in my little kingdom. It's not for me. My family's not for me. I'm to give it to the Father. It exists for His glory. My work is not for me. It's not for you. It's a kingdom work that's to be given to the Father. My recreation, my time, my gifts, my finances, all things are to be in subjection. And Jesus Christ, for whom all things exist and also hold together, he freely gives those to his Father. And those who follow him must do the same. There's so much here in these few verses. Go back and go through them again when you have more time. There's an order to the resurrection. Jesus is the first fruits, and so we have hope then. He was raised. We can be raised to to new life. There's an order to that. And y'all, as we get into tonight and tomorrow, it all appears to be chaos. It was not. It looks to be, by our outer eyes, chaos of this evening. It was not. Uh, During spring break, Sarah and I took a break. Uh, We made sure to to watch church. I was kind of the online pastor that morning and uh, watched our church experience. But then after the early church experience, we went and went to church at First Presbyterian Church of Jackson. I worked there three summers for them at Twin Lakes. Sarah met, uh, worked there two summers, and uh, we met uh, at Twin Lakes. Uh, and so we went back and have several friends there, and so we enjoyed church there. The pastor uh, that morning began a sermon series, or his second Sunday in the series, and he was, he's preaching through the Gospel of John and Holy Week. And he was talking about tonight. He was talking about when they came to get Jesus and arrest him. And he brought up an interesting point. When they came to get Jesus, do you remember what happens in the Gospel of John? Who who are you seeking? We're seeking Jesus of Nazareth. I am. Boom. They drop. Now, if it's chaos... If, if Jesus is surprised by this moment, if he's just some revolutionary, he could, have, he could have walked away from that moment. He could have taken up Peter's sword or maybe Simon, you don't know who else, had the zeal, maybe somebody else had a sword, and he could have killed everybody there. But he knew what was going to happen, and it, by his authority, he allowed these things to happen, and it's almost comical. I'll wait for y'all to get up. Now that we're up, what else do we need to do? Um, it's his authority. He didn't run. And then when Peter gets this idea of pulling out a sword and say, let's, let's fight through this. Put your sword back in its sheath. This is the cup my Father has given to me. Shall I not drink it? John 13:1 reminds us when Jesus enters Holy Week, The hour had come, and Jesus knew it. That's the hour for which Jesus came. He came for so many reasons, but the heart of it was tomorrow and Easter, that hour where he would give himself for us, that time when he would die for us and for our sins. But you see it so clearly in John. All was under his authority. It was ordered. It was purposeful. It was intentional. He came that he might die for us. It's a good word for us tonight. As, as we're mindful, as we take this meal, we're mindful of our sin. In Adam, death came. In Adam, sin came to all. We're all sinners in need of his grace and God will meet us again at his table. But it also should be a reminder to us too and an encouragement that because of what Christ has won for us through the giving of his blood and his body, death will be done away with. We celebrate this meal with great thanksgiving, knowing the marriage supper, knowing the meal that awaits us in glory. But also in response to his gift to us on the cross and his beautiful life before his father. This kingdom I give to you. What it is it what is it in your life that needs to be subjected? To God? How is it you and I, as Christ deferred so beautifully, how is it we need to do that in our own lives? Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you for these moments together to be reminded again of the authority of your Son Jesus, to be reminded again of the beauty of his life, his self giving love, to be reminded again of the hope that we have in him, to be reminded again of the hope that we have for eternity. Father, just bless us now as we receive this meal. Hear our praise as we share together in this great Thanksgiving.
1: The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made us a new covenant by water, in the spirit. And on the night which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he said, take, eat, this is my body, broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. And after the supper was over, he took the cup, he gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts, Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, and with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. I invite those that are helping to serve um, to come forward.
0: So we come to share tonight, the ushers won't lead you. We just would ask you to come starting really at the ends of the first pew. If you would come to the table, and while you're at the table, when that person gets to the table, the next row on the furthest outside, you just come from the outside and just wait on the side. And that's all that need to be there. We don't want to bunch up together. When you get to the table, you can unmask. And when you get there, there should be the right amount of communion cups out. And uh, Corey or I will pass out the bread to you. You receive the bread, and then you'll be give, you can just pick up the juice for yourself. So uh, Corey and I will be gloved. And then there's baskets here to drop your cups in. And you can stay and pray for a moment if you need to, and then return by the inside aisle. Okay? Uh, as we re- share in this meal together, I would just remind you that this is not a Methodist table. Uh, this is the Lord's table. This is the Lord's supper. And so you may be from a different tradition or denomination, but if you would respond uh, to the invitation given, uh, we would encourage you and invite you uh, to participate in this meal. Let's share together as we remember and celebrate the Christ. Amen. The closing hymn, the words will be on your screen. O love divine, you may remain seated as we sing and worship together. I Every year as we close the Holy uh, Thursday service, we remember. We remember the betrayal of Jesus Christ. We remember his abandonment. And to do that, uh, we do what other churches in our tradition and other traditions do, is we strip the church. Um, We remember uh, that he would give up all for us in just a matter of hours from this night. And so in just a minute, the Altar Guild members uh, who bless us throughout the year uh, by decorating our sanctuary to bless our worship, they will come and will strip the church of all its beauty and all its color, and the church will remain that way until Easter Sunday. We look to Easter Sunday to celebrate the resurrection, to celebrate that great hope. But for tonight, Christ is abandoned and betrayed, alone, taken from trial to trial, and then crucified. We will strip the church, and then we will all leave in silence. And we ask if you could please wait to to speak until you get outside the church, because I do want to invite you, if you want to stay for a brief season and have a time of prayer where you are, we want to encourage you uh, to do that. And now may the grace of Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit be with us now and always. And all of God's people said.